security. All of the state parks in Vermont were full last weekend because everybody and his dog is Vermonting this summer instead of going to Europe. We found a campsite on Airbnb. John contacted our host by email the day before we made the two-hour drive. We've made some changes since we first put up the listing, she wrote. We now have a dishwashing station and a barrel to protect your food from bears and such. John and I joked our whole drive down about the and such part of her note, wondering what qualifies. Dewey ignored our banter, flaring his nostrils as his ears flapped in the wind out the car window. Our campsite was on the top of a mountain in the front yard of a vegetable farm in the middle of nowhere, halfway between Hanover and Montpelier. The three dirt road miles we drove uphill to our destination underscored the remoteness of our camping vacation. We pulled into a driveway bordered by the paraphernalia of logging and maple sugaring. When our host asked us to park next to the wood chipper, my mind immediately went to the wood chipper scene in the cult movie Fargo, in which the protagonist dispatches the bodies. It occurred to me that we did not know our host from Adam. Such an Airbnb relationship implies a great deal of trust. John has plenty. I have slightly less. Ben and Amanda's place has Vermont farm things scattered all around, like an aging Ford F-150 pickup truck that died in the driveway, a prodigious all-buds pot plant whose dank fragrance assaults the nose, a tiered garden of kale and cabbage, an outhouse, benches, and a table made of wide pine slabs, and a flock of curious chickens. In other words, it was sort of perfect. We set up our four-person orange marmot tent on the platform and wandered about the 50 acres. At one end of the platform was a five-gallon Gatorade cooler, like the kind they dump on winning football coaches, filled with delicious well water. And the and such barrel. Across from the platform was a deep fire circle made of big stones, pine slab benches, and a milk crate of dry wood just for us. Mowed paths leading away from the platform and the house wended through black raspberry bushes. We had fun picking and eating handfuls of berries before dinner until we noticed the skulls. The three almost bare goat skulls, horns intact, strung up by thin wire in the birch trees between the fire pit and the outhouse, made me think of Kurtz in Conrad's Heart of Darkness. But his soul was mad. Being alone in the wilderness, it had looked within itself, and by heavens I tell you, it had gone mad. Sure, I can scare myself. Fargo, Heart of Darkness. I might as well have added a little Blair Witch Project for good measure. I'm proud of myself for not doing that then. We drank an excellent full-bodied camping Cabernet, and made delicious vegetarian tacos, as we often do when camping. After washing our dishes with biodegradable soap and putting our food and the dog's food and toys into a barrel, into the barrel, we relaxed and looked at the terrific light pollution-free display of stars, then crawled into our down sleeping bags in the tent and drifted off to sleep. I was startled by a grunting sound just outside the tent. 
bears and such. Dewey initially growled his hackles up, but then thought better of it and tried to crawl under John's thermarest mattress. John and I clapped our hands and shouted. We flashed our headlamps, but did not leave the micron-thick nylon security of our tent. The bear shuffled off. It sounded big. Drifting off to sleep after the adrenaline rush was not easy, but it happened despite the skulls, Kurtz, and Fargo. I slept fitfully, dreaming we were being pursued by a murderer in a blue and white checked gingham dress with a giant chef's knife. Then the bear came back. His snuffling and grunting sounded even closer this time. I sat straight up in bed, furious and exhausted. In my angriest voice, I shouted, that's close enough. Back off, Buster, get lost. My tone terrified the dog, who tried to burrow deeper under John's camping mattress. The bear didn't like it either and took off. Sleep did not return. And damn it, I had to pee. But I was not going to leave the security of the tent and go out there until morning. The baleful call of a not-too-distant coyote and the very close hoot of a barred owl accompanied my wakefulness as I imagined different escape scenarios. The skulls, the wood chipper, and the bears did not bode well for a peaceful weekend. After the longest night, morning dawned. It always does. When I came back from the outhouse, I marveled at how great it was to feel so alive. John and I reminisced about our scariest tent camping experiences, that huge thunderstorm while we were kayaking in the Carolinas, and the crazy winds that made it feel like we were battling the elements at Camp 7 on Mount Everest. So alive are we. We did not discover the significance of the skulls, nor did our soft bodies feed the hungry wood chipper. In fact, Ben took us on a hike down to the stream to show us a sweet little swimming hole.